Tara, what's up? Hi, how are you? Doing pretty well. So good. We're reaching the end of the year. It is officially fall. Are you thinking about like your top albums of 2022 yet? Like there's so much awesome stuff that came out this year. Yes. And there's also, because there's so many albums out, I feel like there's still albums that I need to listen to. I'm behind on listening to new music, but I definitely have some good contenders for the 2022 list. Yeah. This year's going to be a tough one. There's so much. I feel like, especially this season, like this fall season, a ton of new albums have come out in the last two or three weeks. And I'm just like completely backlogged. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And some that have come out that I'm like, okay, I really need to make time and sit with this one. For example, the new Bjork. I feel like I want to really sit and listen and understand and consume it in there's so much to unpack conscious way. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We we need to have an in-depth conversation about Falsora for sure. Yeah. I agree. But just off the top of your head, are you like, are you digging it? Just high level? You know, honestly, and that's why I want to sit down and like give it some time. Because I've listened to some of the singles and they are really interesting and the videos are amazing. But I really miss this Bjork from debut. And I know she would never do that same thing because she was kind of all over the place with debut. But the jazz and the electronic elements and they're in the new stuff, but like in a different way. It's more experimental where I want it to be more melody driven. I feel you. Miss the melody. I feel like we should have a deeper conversation about this once Sonic Symbolism is all out. I'm just consuming mm-hmm. those episodes. They're so, so good. But they are. Yeah. I think once that series is finished, I feel like we need to have like a serious debate. <laughs> yeah. I just listened to the the debut one and it's so beautiful and how they just talk about things. Yeah, it's really well well done. I'm having mm-hmm. a good time with that series for sure. Well, I don't know, like, I know we've been listening to some new things. I know you're constantly going out to see shows and whatnot. Is there an album that stands out for you? I mean, I think it might be time for us to do an an album of the month shindig for the store again. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. Well, for sure, I've been really, I mean, you know, I've mentioned this before, since the pandemic, I've been listening to a lot, a lot of jazz. And uh, Micaiah McCraven just put out one recently um, called In These Times, and I mm. love it. I what can't wait you? to talk about that one. I'm also <laughs> like in kind of a jazz space right now. Um, I'm going to go ahead and kick us off then and talk about Domi and J.D. Beck, their debut album, Not Tight. Yes, this one also is a contender for my top albums of 2022, for sure. I think a lot of people have been patiently waiting for an album from these two, for sure. They are the the new wunderkind of the jazz world, timeless talent as classic Gen Zers, you know? Yeah, and it's interesting because I, during the pandemic, as a lot of people did, downloaded TikTok, and I don't know what I did to deserve this, but I've 
somehow I found my way to drummer TikTok. Oh yeah. I had I started following so many drummers and then was served uh a few Domi and Beck videos like of them just recording themselves improving and playing and jamming. And I was like, who are these kids? They're amazing. Who are they? Where did they come from? Outer space, probably. Yeah, definitely outer space. Yeah, classic tale of meteoric rise via social media and the internet. Um, but hey, they can actually back it up, you know? Definitely yeah. bonafide music prodigies we're dealing with here. Um, a little background on the two of them. Domi is a 22-year-old French keyboardist, and she started playing the piano and the drums at age three, was enrolled in conservatory at age five, uh, eventually, she came to the States and attended Berkeley College of Music in Boston. And she started posting videos of her original compositions, which garnered lots of attention from prominent musicians like Anderson Pock, Lewis Cole, and Thundercat. She's featured with Knower and Ghost Note as well, which is pretty dope. So just a spectacular talent. J.D. Beck, a 19-year-old drummer from Texas, he started playing piano at age five, switched to the drums at nine. By 10 years old, he's like playing gigs and being mentored by some major pro drummers like Cleon Edwards, who plays with Erica Badu's band, Robert Sput Seawright, who played with Snarky Puppy, I think also Ghost Note, other big bands, and soul musician John Bob. So wow. people, yeah. That's cool. <laughs> that's pretty major, right? So these yeah. two met at NAM in 2018 because, of course, they did. And they met again shortly thereafter at a party for Erica Badu. And I, that's around the time when they began writing and playing music together. And then they just started. What? Yeah. I, How right? do you? What? <laughs> what an amazing origin story. It can't be more right. <laughs> homegrown jazz great than that, right? Just meeting at Erica Badu's birthday party, too. And your what? teenagers. It's cool. Another otherworldly alien. Erica totally. Badu. It's funny how these characters, they all kind of like find each other some way. It's like meant to be. Of course, they would they be do. connected to Erica Badu in some way. They, There's probably some secret like Slack channel, timeline, <laughs> Slack channel. portal, something. <laughs> I want to be invited to that Slack channel. It's the, it's the alien discord. Right, right. <laughs> but yeah, it just kind of skyrocketed from there. They started backing up. Everybody, Thundercat, Anderson Pac, Mono Neon. They toured with Chon, a progressive math rock band out of California. Um, they did that Adult Swim festival video with Thundercat and Ariana Grande. Did you see that? Yes. Yeah, they did Thundercat's song, Them Changes. That was in 2020. And then the next year, here they are, you know, co-writing songs with Silk Sonic. <laughs> You know, they co-wrote the tune Skate. Yeah, the tune Skate for Silk Sonic, Anderson Pock and Bruno Mars collaboration. And here we are in 2022. They've signed with Ape Shit, which is Anderson Pock's label under Blue Note Records, the first artists on that label. And they've finally given us a debut album, Not Tight. Man, about that. I feel like Anderson Pock was good to scoop them up because they had everything ready to go. They they were a package deal. They have the talent. They were already had the the viral uh, following on social media. So why didn't they have a record label yet? Why don't they have an album until just now? You know, and so I feel like good on Anderson Pac for getting them signed to his label as the first 
artists signed to that label under Blue Note Records, which is really cool. Yeah, definitely a smart investment there. And you're right, total package, great look. They stand out, very different, very fresh. Yeah, it's pretty great. Um, Before we dive into the album, though, I have to shout out their amazing Tiny Desk from August of this year. You see that? So stinking good. Yes, so good. Yeah, they're so much fun to watch. They just, they're just like a bundle of contradictions. They come off so awkward, yet so unbothered at the same time, you know? Yeah, yeah. And and they both play kind of fast. And so I'm like, I feel like they're thinking really fast on their toes, improving, playing these these really fast, epic, hyper jazz-esque pieces. I don't know. I, I just feel like you have to be quick and on your feet to to do that. Yeah, they're so technically precise and detailed too and completely in control. But then at the same time, they clearly don't take themselves too seriously. They're just having a laugh. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you should check out their bio on their website. <laughs> where they're completely taking the piss. And they have a fixation with testicles, I've noticed. Like, they never miss an opportunity to reference balls or ball sacks in some way. Have you noticed this? Like, their cover of Coltrane's Giant Steps, for example, is called Giant Nuts. I didn't know that, but I do know the song on the album, that song Sniff was originally supposed to be called You Can Sniff My Butt. (laughs) Yeah, I remember So, yeah, there's still this, like, youthful element. Yeah, this good old ain't-gonna-hurt-nobody toilet humor. I'm here for it. Right. It's cool. Same. This is my favorite kind of humor, to be honest. Right. Like, this is, like, don't take me too seriously. I'm also not trying to offend anyone. This is just stupid humor. Yeah, like, just, just shaking it off. They're just <laughs> random. They have a video called Pretzel Beat, and they're playing with mini pretzels strewn all over their instruments. Because why not, I guess? Yeah. Totally random. But yeah, let's talk about not tight. So, Which is indeed tight. Ah, there you go. That's the full <laughs> catchphrase. Which is actually tight. It's a trick. The album is surprisingly restrained, you know? It's like much more mellow than I would have expected. Same. I mean, after watching their videos on TikTok, it's like it definitely is more polished and restrained, like you said, than I would have expected. Yeah, it kind of rides the same mood frequency most of the way through. And I guess I do think that's a major function of the studio album format, you know? Like, they have such a sprightly kinetic energy when you watch them live. You see them making eye contact. They're reading each other's signals. And you never know, like, how far they're going to push things. But, you know, I guess that's all tempered when you're recording to tracks and editing things and tying it all up in a pretty bow. Yeah, true. So I think... I think the album's fantastic. I'll just start with that. But I do think we lose a bit not being able to see them and watch them because, and this is mentioned in the the Pitchfork review as well. Like, for example, without actually seeing J.D. Beck playing the drums, it sounds like a machine. Like, it's just too perfect and too snappy to be human. You can hear the inspiration from hip-hop producers like Jay Dilla and Madlib infused in his style as well. Yeah. Oh, also, I'm already... Seeing this tie-in. Are you? Wait for it. (laughs) Yes. We're on a roll, man. We got to finish 2022 strong with the synergy. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Every time we do an album of the month, we find these random tie-ins with with both albums, even though they could be totally unrelated. There is some commonality between the two always. It's magic, man. You and I have magic. (laughs) And so Domi, what I love about her, she has such incredible independent 
proficiency in her hands. Like, how do I explain this? Typically, I guess you'd kind of expect one hand to be noodling a melody while the other one is supporting with chords or maybe like chords in one hand and a bass line in the other. But her hands are just like free agents, man. Like they don't have to be tethered to what the other is doing, really. When you hear her bass lines, she's just like weaving these intricate lines on the fly. And of course, there's harmony in what her hands are playing, but there's no dependency. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that was another part of the whole, like, them being fast in their playing, in their improvisation. I just don't know how her hands can move that fast and his. Yeah. It is almost like they're machines. It's like she has a split brain, like one brain for each hand. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Oh, maybe she does. It's fascinating to watch. She might. Mm -hmm. Get that girl a CT scan. But yeah, but like... The level of proficiency they have just as independent musicians, but then bringing that together. And you're right, at the kind of speed and the detail that level that they're playing at, the fact that they stay so locked in with each other, you just don't see that in like decade long, you know, experienced musicians, let alone such young, I don't want to call them kids, but you know, young people like that. Right. Yeah. It's going to be crazy to see them like 20 years from now, like where they go. I really think they're going to branch out and do more incredible things. I mean, we haven't even talked about the record yet, but... I feel like because they're working with Anderson Pock and they're so closely tied to Thundercat, I almost hear so much of his sound and I want to hear more of them. Yes. You know? Yes, that's definitely fair. On the one hand, I'm happy that they're linked with that camp because I feel like their creativity and their weirdness is going to be pushed and encouraged. But you're right. There is a danger that that could be kind of colored in some way by their agenda and what, what they want to see happen. I just hope they have free reign to keep exploring what they want to do, you know? Yeah, I do too. All right. So let's talk about the first single from the album, Smile. This is a very chill, catchy tune. A great introduction for folks who may be unfamiliar with the duo. And the video is absolutely perfect. Just watch it. It'll make you feel good every time. <laughs> Have you seen the video for this? Yeah. Is that the one with Mac DeMarco in it yeah, in yeah. the video? Yeah. He plays an old grumpy man. He gets new ears. He gets new ears. Yeah. And they throw him a, a party. It's sweet. It's a really sweet video. Fun fact, J.D. Beck came up with the melody for Smile on the toilet, oh. which I totally get it. Like there's something creatively stimulating about having your ass cheeks on cold porcelain or like <laughs> being naked in the shower. That's like where all the best ideas come from. Yeah, I mean, you're sitting, you have finally some time to yourself. (laughs) Right. You're forced to be still for a minute. (laughs) You are forced to be still for a minute, albeit over water. It's a sacred space, the toilet. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, I I think it's worth it. The melody is A+. More toilet jams, please. No judgment from me. Yeah, so... Here's the first track where I'm like, really, I'm he- I'm hearing Thundercat here. and But he's not credited until the next track, but I think that's because he sings on that one. But he is he not the one playing bass on this, al- on this whole album? Like, he's, it sounds like him. Really? I feel like Domi's doing a lot of the bass. On her keyboard? Just on the keys. I don't know. It sounds just like Thundercat. I don't know. I, I would believe that. Like, the that. tone. I almost want to see if there's a album credits... But she's so she's so smooth with her bass lines, though. I just don't believe she would give that up to another person for like the entire album. I feel like that's one of her her strong suits is like cranking out some awesome bass lines. Thundercat, guest vocals, lyrics, composer, bass. That is just album credits. 
So yeah, I think that's him. You think Thundercat's doing the bass on the whole album? Mm-hmm. That would be kind of a bummer, honestly. <laughs> Maybe you're right. I don't know. It does say on bowling, it says with Thundercat, but it says Thundercat vocals, lyrics, composer, bass. Thundercat on not tight, lyrics, composer, bass. But yeah, he's on a bunch as bass, but maybe he's not on all of them. I just don't think they need that. I don't, I don't know why that would have been necessary. I don't know. Oh, well. I love Madomi bass lines. All right, so I want to call out a few other tracks that I, I enjoy from this album. We've got Two Shrimps. I was wondering if we could go back to the very beginning of the album. Oh, I see. No, go ahead. Jump in. I was just going to say at the beginning, that Luna's intro, I love how... It starts out, it's so grandiose, and then you have the like twinkling piccolo sounds. And goes right into the second track, What Up? And that's my favorite one, I think. But I love it. That's your so, um, Yeah, it's like light and jazzy. Mm-hmm. And then spikes in energy like almost abruptly as soon as Beck comes in with those drums, super rapid fire drumming. But yeah, sorry. That was because it was the second or like the very beginning part of the album. I wanted to mention it before we go into the other parts because it's such a good intro into the whole album as an experience, how it's that cinematic intro and then right into the the next song, which starts also kind of light and then boom with those drums. Love it so much. Yeah, definitely. No, overall, I was going to say it, that's one of the reasons why it feels like a such a mature sounding album. You know, they've, they've bookended the whole thing with these really classy intro, outro tracks. And yeah. I do, I do love that intro love as well. Yeah. Also, we've got a track on there called Two Shrimps. So this tune features Mac DeMarco, who features in the Smile video, as we mentioned. And he's singing about a couple of shrimp and a cowboy. I don't, I don't quite get it, but it's cool. I'm, I'm with it. <laughs> Just let it wash over you. I also dig You Don't Have to Rob Me. You don't have to rob me. It's not really worth it. So I love this one because they sing in unison for this tune and it, it works so well. <laughs> and I really hope that they experiment more with vocals in the future. Um, I love Domi on this track. The bass lines are so dope. The hook, a, a piece of the hook goes, you don't have to rob me. It's not really worth it. I only have credit cards and I can just cancel them. Like, yeah, I, I feel that way. They're so matter of fact, you know, totally. but the whole song, the whole song is really cute. They do that on their tiny desk as well. And I think that's what introduced me to the song and just loved it right away. And they were so bashful about it and acting shy, like, oh, we don't know if this is going to be any good. And then they crank it out and it's perfection. <laughs> so good. Yeah. They landed some pretty major features on this album. They even got Herbie Hancock on the vocoder for yeah. Moon. That's, That's another huge. one of my favorite tracks on the album because it's really cool to hear young Domi flexing right beside Herbie. Right. And you like know, hanging. Both of them <laughs> pianists. Yeah. Just like. Here you go, buddy. Let me show you what I'm working with. Yeah, I love them uh, going back and forth like that on that track. It's so it's really good. Yeah, and it's always heartwarming to see the greats come out and support 
new upcoming talent as well. Like what an endorsement to yeah. have Herbie Hancock do an entire track and not just like a little eight count at the end. Like, no, he's singing the whole time and right. jamming with them. It's it's great. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I feel like when he was coming out, he was changing up jazz in a way with his weird funky sounds and uh, vocoders and whatnot. And then now they're kind of doing the same thing, kind of changing up the jazz scene. It's cool. Yeah, it's got to be neat for him, like to see the seedlings of his legacy come up, you know? Yeah, yeah. The seedlings of his legacy. I love that. (laughs) And then also on the track Pilot, we've got features from Snoop Dogg, Busta Rhymes, and Anderson Pock. Inattentive Rolls Royce spilling cushy crumbs sipping gin and OJ. Singing pull up in the Porsche looking more free than a new divorcee. They probably all met at Erica Badu's birthday party. Right. Probably (laughs) some like amazing underground alt hip hop jazz melding of the minds that nobody else is privy to. Good for them. Yeah. There is quite a lot of neo soul elements going on here. Oh, yeah. It's on this album. It is alive and kicking. Yeah. I I think another big wave is a coming, is a brewing. A lot of really awesome new talent in that in that vein. And then you've got Thundercat, of course, who's all over the album, as well as jazz guitarist Kurt Rosenwinkel. So, like, what an insane amount of, like, major support for your debut album. What does it feel like to be Domi and J.D. Beck right now? Yeah. My two cents, though, on Take a Chance, tracked in with... Mm -hmm. Label man Anderson Pock. He has your last cut, but ain't no use in packing what is wrapped up. They question why I'm prepping for disaster. I guess I'm still affected by the last one. I know this is an unpopular opinion, but I kind of feel like Anderson Pock is one note. I feel like all of his songs kind of sound the same to me. I think it's just his intonation, like how he does his parts. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's not bad. It's just like after a few. After hearing a few of his songs, I I just expect the exact same sound now. Yeah, that's not a that's not the vibe, is it? <laughs> I don't think that's what no. he wants. Because <laughs> he does the I most. Don't think so. But yeah, it does come out kind of sounding the same. And so you expect a certain kind of shenanigans from him at this point. Right. But putting him next to like Bruno Mars changes things and putting him next to them, I guess, changes things. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I do think I prefer the, overall, I prefer the tracks where it's just the two of them. Me too. Yeah. You know? I just want them to shine. Exactly. Which, so yeah, I'm excited to see. I know they really just put this one out and I love it. Don't get me wrong. But I'm excited to see what they do next. This is only the start. Did you get tickets for their show? I know they had a couple of shows here. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're doing two shows on the 12th, um, but I'm going to see Stevie Nicks instead. Stevie Nicks legend. pulled ahead on that one. I know you were mulling over that decision. <laughs> yeah, well, I figured they're young, they're new, they're going to be back in Atlanta. That's completely fair. Yeah. All right. Well, that's JD and Domi Beck. I mean, I'm, I'm, I think I'm more excited about them just overall than I am specifically about this album, you know? Yeah, me too. Like, it's, it's I great, but I, I, f- I feel like we kind of miss some of the magic that's made them so fun to watch online. But you know, whatever. Yeah, they've got time. They've got they've got the talent. They're going to continue to wow us, and um, it's it's a fun listen. Yeah, I'd be kind of interested to see. Like one thing I really like about JD Beck in particular is that his drumming is very much like drum and bass kind of fast style of drumming. Oh, and yeah. Pitchfork actually says it perfectly. They're like square pusher meets Chick Corea. 
for sure. And I mean, how it would be cool to see kind of where they go next. I would like to see them push out of this neo-soul era because I think maybe they are just working so closely with those folks who are doing that. But what if they do some sort of crazy electronic thing? I think that vibe is, that energy is definitely clear when the two of them are just playing. You're right. When they have particular features, they do get kind of pushed into this neo-soul thing, like when they have vocal tracks. But just the two of them alone, you can hear, you can hear something totally different and experimental happening. I know Domi has a lot of like kind of Nintendo-y video game inspirations and, you know, Pokemon kind of vibes in the way she plays on top of his, you know, beyond just like his, his drummer inspiration. Again, that Specifically, that hip hop production, breakbeat sampling inspiration that he's turned into a style of his own. I think they've got that definitely germinating, you know, already. Yeah. So I want to see yeah. that. I want to see more of that. I do too. Me too. Well, it seems like we're totally on the same page about <laughs> Domi and Beck. Woo-hoo. Yeah. We're catch excited them about them. The next time they're in town. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of drummers, Micaiah McCraven. is Chicago-based percussionist, and he's well-known for actually fusing jazz improvisation with hip-hop recording elements, a la Jay Dilla. Sounds familiar. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he, he likes to take recordings of concerts, and he slices and dices the tapes of the performances, his performances, cutting, looping, rearranging, and overdubbing certain new parts, and kind of creates these new themes, these new melodies out of these stray bits of imp- improvisation and rhythms and shows, all these pieces, puts them together and creates these new worlds with them. And, you know, and that's kind of what Jay Dillow was doing with all those samples. And we mentioned J.D. Beck, a drummer, being inspired by Jay Dillow as well and loving hip hop and being mentored by folks in that same scene. But yeah, uh, I think it was NPR that said this, but you can consider Micaiah McCraven a beat scientist, if you will. Absolutely. And I thought that was a really, yeah, that was a really cool way of describing him. But um, he's worked with some great people on this record. Jeff Parker of Tortoise, for example, is the sort of a, well, Tortoise was kind of an ambient, experimental rock group from the 90s, late 90s, early 2000s. But Jeff Parker has been in the jazz world as well, playing his guitar. And maybe you can also kind of consider Jeff Parker in this sense, on this record, is the Kurt Rosenwinkel from the other album that we mm. just talked about. There's similarity there as well. But yeah, let's just start going through the album. The title track Track one, In These Times. Is so beautiful and amazing. Just right out the gate. Like this is the strongest track, I think. It starts with this kind of random hand clap audience ambiance. And then it goes into this spoken word intro. It's a sample from Harry Belafonte, actually, pulled from an interview from 1955. And in the 
recording or in the sample, you can't really quite get the full context, but Belafonte is paraphrasing the African-American folk hero John Henry talking about this steam drill brought into Dig the Big Bend Tunnel in West Virginia in the late 19th century. He says, I never want to be known as anybody opposed to progress, but this is no longer a matter of progress or not progress, alluding to those who have died on the job. So I'm sure there's some message or relation of progress to McCraven as well as someone who I think really just put out one of his own studio albums. I mean, he did he did a reimagining of some other things, partnering with some other folks, but the last album he put out, which was like a while ago, maybe 2015, if I'm remembering this correctly. So this this album is kind of like, I don't know, it's progress and he's meticulous and I'm sure it took a long time to make this amazing album. But I, I like that he included that intro, yeah. not really knowing the full story of it until recently but really cool. really powerful way to set the tone at the top of the album totally but then you get these sweeping string arrangements and this is the part that I can't figure out because when I hear it I think of like 60s movie film scores some even like spaghetti westerns how they have these certain elements like Ennio Morricone but they have these amazing vintage sounding string arrangements and somehow these string arrangements on this song sound vintage to me and I don't know if it's I don't know why and I can't figure out the source of why certain songs sound this way to me but then I started looking into like soul uh like soul string arrangements like uh I hear a symphony by the supremes but is it is it like 60s soul orchestral arrangements or is it like Disney soundtrack 50s. Like, where mm-hmm. does it come from? Right. I want to know the source of why I think of this every time I hear this kind of string arrangement. Anyways, then you hear these beautiful layered harps, plucky melodies. Sounds like these are the harps you would hear in heaven, I would think. Like the angels are playing these harps. <laughs> For sure. Right? Like, that's what it reminds me of. And then here we come with Greg Ward, saxophonist, sax part and it's growing and swelling and seems like there's some level of anticipation. And then there's Micaiah McRaven's steady hypnotic drums, which are almost always very complex sounding to me, Mm -hmm. but not too complex. Does that make sense? Like it doesn't, it's not all about the drums, even though he's the drummer and he made the music. Yeah. It's, it's, Interesting. Like this is this is such my kind of jazz album right here. Everything is like so Me atmospheric too. and dreamy. It's like you almost get a yeah. contact high from listening to it. Yes. <laughs> right? You do. Yes. But I think yeah. it, the arrangements are just so it's just it's just magical. That's like the best word I can think of. They're magical. So you're right. Like he there's like a perfect balance where it's like you know that he's like really killing it, but it's not too much. It just hits this right this perfect level in your ears yeah. and it's just Carries you off. At the same time, if you just focus on the drums, you're like, how is he doing that? Like, what is this beat right. even? What is this sorcery? What are these strings? Yeah. This harp? It's, it's this- so complex. <sighs> but then, yeah, it's like you have to listen to each element almost individually. Mm-hmm. But together as a whole, it gives you chills, takes you another place. Heaven. I love it. Uh, next song, we have The Fours, track two.
beautiful plucky harp melodies. Then there's this steady violin strumming and then an alternating horn pattern building even more of a complex sound landscape right before some funky drums take over. And then that totally moves the song to like a new place. But for this whole album, I feel like no song stays in one place for too long. Mm -hmm. It's like just as you're finding your spot with the drums, then there's a new element added in. Like on this song in particular, there's some clapping elements that seep in. And then another rhythm is sort of taken over. But I mean, it's so smooth of a transition. It's not like, ah, where did this clapping come from? Or it's not abrupt. I mean, in some cases it is, but it works. It's so smooth. It's almost yeah. like imperceptible. You like you wake up and you realize, oh, I'm in a completely different place. How did I get here? Yeah, there's a <laughs> somehow there's there's another tempo. And you know what it's like? Have you ever been like? I remember being on the beach as a kid for summer vacation, and you just you're standing, you see your hotel where you're where you're you know staying, and then you're in the sand, and the tides are moving and pushing and pulling, and then you look to the side again. And you're not in front of your hotel anymore. You've somehow, you've been moved <laughs> further down the shore. You know what I mean? You don't know how you got. But you don't ever feel like you're, yeah. Right. That's such that's a good. That's what it feels like. Ooh, that's such a good analogy for that. I love that. That's so yeah. good. The Dang. Fours is one of my favorite tracks on this album, by the way. Me too. I yeah. love it so much. Dream Another is another one that seems like it's coming from some movie. Like in a film, soulful, dreamy. Imagine like the love boat, but then also this wild, psychedelic, love-making drug trip from some 70s indie cult film. Hell yeah. But also the love boat. Like there's something vintage, soulful, Classic, but then weird. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And dreamy. Weird and dreamy. And then I think this is the mm, almost last song I'm going to talk about. I don't want to ruin it for everybody by telling every little detail, but Lullaby. Oh my God. Track five. Lullaby. So in 2019 episode of Jazz Night in America, Micaiah McRaven pulled back the curtain on this, on his upbringing, which is kind of bohemian. And there's this lullaby adapted from a song she wrote with this guy, Peter DeBassi. I could be totally butchering that name, for their folk group called Kalinda. That song is this song on this album, reintroduced, including the harpist Brandy Younger, who is mm-hmm. one of my favorites. She played on Force Majeure with Desron Douglas. And this is one of my favorite albums of 2020. It's their um, pandemic session recordings. And actually, can we just listen to a clip of them playing this woman's work? And then now let's listen to a clip of the opening of this song, which is so incredibly beautiful, heavenly again. Miss Younger takes us to the outer limits with her beautiful Mm -hmm. harp playing. (laughs) 
So yeah, this this song is just incredibly beautiful, amazing. Can't really say anything else. I just keep saying the word beautiful over and over again. But I love that he pulled in part of his mother and his ba- his background, his upbringing into this song. Yeah, yeah. Love the harp work in this. And also I think there's like some vibraphone in there I thought I heard. Yeah. Um, from yes. Joel Ross, I believe. Just again, the arrangements, man. I can't, I can't even take it. <laughs> how does he do it? I don't know how he does it. And if you need to be convinced even more that he's just like, a maestro of polyrhythms on the drums. Listen to seventh string. Somehow Mm -hmm. his wild, complex drumming doesn't take away from these amazingly beautiful melodies and string arrangements. So, yeah. But there's so much depth and texture on this album. And again, I think it's definitely going to be one of my top albums of 2022. Yeah, I second that for sure. Which ones are your favorites? All the ones you mentioned are great. I think my (laughs) ultimate favorite is... This place, that place. If you just want to talk like the arrangement, like where you start to where you end, they have the the, the opening section where they're playing around uh, with this rhythm, you know, and it it goes through these different sections and it ends in this like thunderous drumming reverb. It's just... It's like you're in a, just a swarm of awesome sounds and rhythms and the buildup is just wild in that piece. I thought I was going to like spontaneously combust <laughs> in my chair. Oh. It's so good. No, I was, I was reading more about him. I just want to say on his website, it says that these compositions were inspired as much by broader cultural struggles as McRaven's personal experience as a product of a multinational working class musician community. It's the recording that he's been trying to create for over seven years, as it's been consistently in process in the background while he's been releasing just like a prolific run of, of other albums. Yeah. So this is a labor of love, for sure. Well, man, it, the work paid off. It's gorgeous. Yeah. It's moving. It's intelligent, if that's something you can call an album. I don't know. I feel like the things that he's done with the construction of these songs, the melodies, the drums, the arrangements, everything so meticulously put together in such a way that you don't even realize that it has been meticulously put together. Everything is just so perfectly arranged. And it makes you think because you sit there and you're, you're first listening to the strings and then you somehow focus on these complex drums and then you're just somehow you they all come together and then yeah it's I love I love how hard we're gushing over this album but I don't care I'm gonna lean into it because it is just that good I kind of like so good I kind of don't like that it's I don't want it to be labeled as jazz or whatever whatever you're gonna call it or wherever it's gonna be you know stuck in the record store or whatever because it just transcends any categorization like he achieves something completely above you know these labels it is definitely worth yeah. getting your good headphones out, you know, turn down the lights a little bit. Yes. And just really like dig into it. Sit with it. Yeah. For sure. It is a headphone. It's a headphone album for sure. Yeah. Or get the vinyl, play it on Ooh, your that'd be nice. speakers. Cool. Well, that's my album of the month. Amazing pick. Amazing pick. Let's tie them in. What do we got? We got these um, drummers. We have the elements of... Deep inspiration from hip hop, Jay Dilla, good connection there. Yeah. Other types of music, other cultures, 
Or what did you say in that quote from the website? Other, this is a, um, what do you say? Inspired by broader cultural struggles and his personal experience as a product of a multinational working class musician community. Right. You know, you know the connection. Musician community. Musician community. Yes. Yes, for sure. Sorry. What were you going to say? Well, I'm, I'm just thinking about how we can, how these two might meet in the middle. And I think what I, what we see in McRaven's work is what happens when a truly masterful musician can just go all the way there, you know, and just create his best work without any constraints. And I think I, I see that down the road for Domi and J.D. Beck. If they keep down this path that they're on and they don't let anybody box them in, this is like the level of epic, epicness that they could give us sometime soon, you know, in the future. Yeah. I really look forward to that. Because McCraven, this is a this is a musician like at in top form. It's just like mm-hmm. pure creativity. <sighs> this is the kind of level that you want to reach. I think any any composer or producer, you know, dreams of being able to to create something this spectacular. And that's I want to hear yeah. something like this. I want to be gushing over an album from JD JD Beck and Domi the same way we're gushing over this album someday. Yeah. We want to, you can tell. We, we both are already to. very excited about them. And again, that album is not bad at all. It's a top no, no, no. for me, but I could just I just know they have so much more in them and I can't wait to see what the future holds. I guess what my point yeah. is is like this is a product of maturity and years and years of experience. You get an album like right. this. Yeah. So we have plenty of that yeah. to look forward to with these other two as well. I think I was just covering how much complaining I was already doing about about their album, even though <laughs> I love it. Yeah. These cool. are some kick-ass picks, man. I dig it. Yeah, me too. Awesome. Well, now I need to go and listen to <laughs> In These Times by Micaiah McCraven again. Yeah. And his backlog. I want to go back and hear his his previous stuff too. So oh, I yeah. I, so picture. I saw him. I saw him play Epic Years with Jeff Parker and it was really amazing. Stop it. Was it. Great. It was great. He made drumming seem effortless, even though it was in a packed room and he was sweating profusely. He still looked like he was just, it was easy for him to just do this wild stuff on the drums. And I love, I love Gil Scott Heron. And so for him to take on Gil Scott Heron's last album, I'm New Here, reimagine it. I loved it. It's called We're New Again, a reimagining by Makai McCraven. So that one I highly recommend as well. That's cool. I would love to see him live and it's cool that you say he was just like sweating it out and going crazy and made it look effortless oh yeah it reminds me of um what's that that charlie parker quote where he says like master your instrument master the music and then forget all that bullshit and just play right yeah how that's the dream how does one become master and then let it go though because i feel like there is some benefit of being kind of novice because then you don't have all the rules under your belt yet you don't know all the rules but then you become a master and you know the intricacies of the rules and everything in between and and so I feel like you're somehow bound to them in such a way well I think it's I think it's more about accessing all that's possible with the instrument you know like having a level of proficiency technically where you can just you have it in your muscle memory so you can just let all that stuff go and just focus on expressing whatever's flowing through your mind second to second, you know? Mm-hmm. And I do agree. Yeah. I think there's I think there's magic in that novice state too, because you don't know what you don't know. And so nothing is, right. not, the word wrong isn't really well defined yet. You're just kind of feeling it out. 
But just yeah. staying tuned this, to that energy yeah. is important. There's This is a terrible example because I'm nowhere near being a master of any sort of craft, really, a doer of many, master of none. When I just first started DJing, I would put any song together just about. To me, it sounded cool. But then I started learning, like, some people are DJing by key even, and this should not go together, this should go together, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And now I, I look back, I listen to that mix, one of my first mixes, and I'm like, I really like this because it's so creative. But I would never do this because of this rule or that rule. So yeah, that keeping that fresh outlook on your vision somehow, but knowing the rules in such a way that you can perfect that, I guess. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. And I, I guess my version of that too is composing. I mean, I was classically trained, so I missed out on really getting familiar with like a lot of chord chord structures and and things like that. Like I, I understand them, but I never got to a place where I worked with them. Um, like obviously, I when I write, I don't name chords and I don't think about the chord progressions. I'm just playing what I think sounds good. I might not be able to really yeah. tell you this is such and such and this inversion and I'm moving to this, whatever. But I still have enough, I'm proficient enough to be able to play the chords that I hear in my head and want to have in the piece. Do you know what I mean? And I used to I used to feel bad about that. I used to carry a lot of shame about that. But I'm really glad that I reached a place where I let that go because it was it was hindering my creativity. And that's like no good. Like who gives a shit if I can name the chord for you? Here the, here it is. <laughs> it, yeah. It's it's yeah. a thing. You know, and I had to just get that out of my head and let it go because it was blocking me from progressing. So just do you, man. Make your art. Yeah. So now, so now I guess like Domi and Beck having a studio album under their belt, now they know that, that life. So maybe now they can blend a bit more of their otherworldly creativity and I don't know electricity into the next project. Also, I want to add a bit more too, because I'm just thinking about this, but I used to go back. I used to try to like backtrack and um, write out my compositions, like score them out and, and write out the chords, figure them out, which is fine. It was a fun exercise, but it was like, who am I doing this for? I'm not releasing this sheet music. You know, I don't have anything to prove. (laughs) Like if I sit down and spend time, I can figure it out, but why just, just get on with playing it. You know, were you proving it, proving it to yourself maybe? I guess so. I guess so. But again, I, I just, I had to shake all that off. It was useless. Yeah. Sorry, Charlie. Well, that's the moral of the story today. Don't be held back by the rules. Yeah. Is that the moral of the story? Shake it off. Don't worry about what you can't do. Do the most you can do with what you can do and just focus on that. <laughs> like seriously. Yeah. What was the Charlie Parker's quote again? Master your instrument, master the music, and then forget all that bullshit and just play. There we go. That's the our abbreviated story. version is forget all that bullshit and just play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there we go. I like this. This is a fun, fun exploration into two amazing jazz esque records. I don't want to cram them into one genre because I think they both surpass just that one genre. Definitely. Yeah. Awesome. Well, shall we go home? It's dinner time. Let's do it. It's dinner time. Supper time. All right. Man, Tara, it's been kind of kind of slow in the store today, huh? Yeah, man, no no customers. Is it a holiday or something, or do we miss check the calendar? <laughs> Maybe. Well, I'm glad you were here. We had good chats. Maybe next time we're in the store, we can play the records, and someone will buy them. Good plan. Someone's bound to buy this if they hear it. I think so. Yeah. All right. Awesome. 
Well, let's get out of here. Let's lock up, turn off the lights, call it a day. It's been fun. Yeah. Happy trails. Same to you. See you later. Bye. Bye. Record Store Society is hosted by Natalie White and Tara Davies. If you'd like to contact the show, visit our website at recordstoresociety.com. Or you can find us on all your favorite social media sites with the handle at Record Store Society.